Welcome to the Ether. Today is Monday, March 6, 2023. Today on the Ether, the console AMA. Let's take a listen. Hey, everybody. What's up? How's it going? Happy to be here. Uh, it is Monday. It's 5 p.m. Eastern in New York. And yeah, just super excited to welcome everybody to the weekly console AMA. Uh, we are here. We have, wow, some great great friends coming and joining as we do every week um we have titus we have john uh jack blake um yeah we got oh wow such a great group um fireburst tara tommy uh kia thank you guys so much moonverse what's up everybody um yeah so uh i'm just gonna check in with a few people and um uh, and just you know just see how everybody's doing and then we'll kind of kick things off usually like how i do um a few updates up front on console um a few things that i'm thinking about the console team's thinking about and then just kind of turn it over to a conversation um yeah mostly focused on the future of decentralized social media identity and building the user-owned internet and how we can help create that together um awesome um just gonna check in hey uh titus you there i am here hello hello <laughs> i think this is the first time i haven't seen lena in spaces yet oh there she is i was thinking <laughs> the same <laughs> thing actually <laughs> it's such good when time. i went through the list i was Love like it. oh I guess lena's not here and i was like okay cool <laughs> there she is yeah what the hell you know, this isn't twitter spaces without oh, lena yeah. um but yeah i guess that means joe's probably coming in too i guess we'll see the uh you know, the crew come through. Uh, shout out to NFT Ignition and Blake for liberating the audience, of course. Fireburst and Julia. Hello, hello. Um, I was hoping to see maybe like David, other people. Hopefully they'll still come through. It'd be good to see everybody here. Um, I'm excited as always to talk decentralization. Awesome. I feel the same way. I'm super happy to be here. Uh, and Julia, you're with us as well. Yes, I am. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Hi, everyone. How's it going? <laughs> Um, <laughs> God, why are we laughing? I don't know. Something, something funny is going on. Uh, Julia helped kick off yeah. the uh, the music for us today, so that was that was a cool track. I never heard that before. Web Ghost, thanks for being our DJ. <laughs> I appreciate you. Yeah, everyone better like it. You're welcome. <laughs> I kind of felt like it was a challenge because every time we come into spaces, the first thing I do is try to clap to whatever yeah. the music is, and I was like, well, I wonder if I could do this one. But uh, what I discovered is if you very quickly tap the heart after a reaction you have time to queue it up because there's like a limiter they put in to try to stop you from spamming hearts or whatever oh i didn't know that so that's your workaround no i know that's your workaround that's a good that's a good tip no you got to clap at the beat alpha <laughs> yep um amazing let me kick off uh the twitter space as i like to do each week with just a few updates um on what's going on with console and then turn things over um yeah, so console, welcome. If you found yourself here for the first time, we do this every Monday. Uh, what we're building at console is a Web3 community chat platform. Imagine Discord 
Now imagine all the things that you don't like about Discord, it being centralized, having a lot of security issues, um, not so usable, it's very noisy. Um, these are a lot of the pain points that we're, we're building on. And I'd say we're not even just building just like an, an open source Discord, but rather um, just a completely different, I think, operating system for Web3 communities, like really tying in token-gated chat uh, and being able to use your NFTs and other kind of primitives um, of decentralization and identity. A lot of cool stuff going on. Um, we are currently live right now. A lot of people in this group are using um, the desktop app or using the web app for console HQ. Uh, if you'd like to get on console, check it out. We're currently in beta. Uh, it's a limited beta for friends of this space and different friends who have applied. And so, yeah, we'd love to welcome you if at any point you want to come check out the beta of console, or if you want to bring your community to console, just DM me, just hit my face there, <laughs> do it gently. And then you can send me a DM and, um, and I'll hook it up. We'd like to prioritize people who show up at the spaces, have questions, and really are helping co-create and build this with us. Um, that's what's up. Um, yeah, so right now we have the desktop app live. Um, we are in there. would love to welcome everybody in there. Um, and uh, the iPhone app, we are slowly um, bringing people onto our test flight. So uh, in addition, once you get into the console, there'll be more information on how to get the iPhone app. So um, we can take you from there. So uh, those are the big kind of, uh, I'd say, product updates at the moment of kind of, of what we're working on. And um, yeah, it, it's just been great the past week to have a lot of people dropping in, sharing their experiences, sharing what they would like to see uh, come next with console, what they'd like to see next with um, decentralized social media. And so just, you know, I'd say you're welcome and I would love to um, hear more about that the, in the community. Um, in, the, in the community chats this week on console, there's been a lot of questions about, you know, new features we, we're going to have, whether it's like audio chat rooms, um, timelines for, uh, I guess what a lot of people call bots, we're calling apps, so the ability to build on top of console and all of that. I'll leave that for the Q&A if anyone is here and wants to ask specific questions, happy to kind of address those um, based on who is in the space today. Um, I'd say a few topics that could be interesting to chat about today, although I'm really, you know, open as always to see where we go with things. Um, you know, last week, I think we had this really great conversation um, about onboarding, um, where we talked with, um, it was a great group here, um, everybody from Titus, Vlad, Adam, um, different, variety of different people, we were all talking about what, what, you know, <laughs> what are the, what utility is Web3 missing, right? Why are more people not onboarding to it? We talked a lot about wallets, we talked a bit about security and UI and all these kind of things. And I think we had just a really great uh, conversation. Um, I, uh, Evan shared with me that you're able to use the Rainbow Wallet to really easily buy an ENS name. I did that over the past week, thought it was just super cool user experience, and yeah, definitely delighted to learn more about, I think, anyone that's just helping make this stuff more usable and, and bring it to more people. I think that really is um, a big challenge. Um, so yeah, that's still on my mind. If anybody wants to double click into any of those those things. Very happy to hear more. Um, also, I know East Denver was this past week. So if anybody was at East Denver wants to share um, what you learned, I would just be really curious, you know, what was the coolest thing you saw or what, you know, what one thing did you learn? Maybe, maybe something that changed how you behave or, 
you know, what you're building or how you're thinking about this space, um, I would invite any of those questions as well. Um, so that's all I got. If any of that resonates, please raise your hand, come up with a question, come up with a story, um, come with, you know, questions about console, all of that. Would love to have you on stage. So this would be a great time. Um, feel free to raise your hands. We'll slowly invite people on stage um, to chat. And yeah, maybe I'll open things up with uh, either Titus or Julia if you guys want to uh, share some thoughts. I'd love to hand it over to you guys. Nice. I see John D.BTC up on stage as well. Um, I've noticed some recent announcements that kind of make me happy in regards to the, the world of decentralized identity. For example, Polygon has released Polygon ID, which is kind of like a zero knowledge proof style way of going, hey, you know, here's some information that I'm going to selectively release, you know, proof that uh, I am this thing that you need from me. Um, and that's an exciting thing. That That's one of those things that I always hoped we'd be talking about and actually using. And just like many other things, like Gitcoin has Gitcoin um, Passport, I think it's called. And it's kind of doing the same kind of category of thing, but it's more of an aggregator of identity. And so this seems like one of those like trustless implementation kind of situations, which uh, is an exciting thing. You know, you want the ability to go, hey, I want to like implement this in my app and then build um, a decentralized platform with decentralized proofs. And so you go, hey, you know, I don't need to trust. Uh, I can I can verify. And that's an important thing. Yeah, uh, this is I might just if you have other things you want to chat about, maybe remember them because I would love to put a pin and double click or I'd love to double click on some of those um, that you're mentioning. And, you know, Titus, I actually, actually, I don't know the difference between, I, I'm aware of Gitcoin Passport, Polygon ID, you know, a lot of times we talk about ENS or BNS or like different other different um, sovereign identity solutions. I wonder if you, or maybe if someone else here, I, I, you know, can help explain the difference. I actually don't know the difference between all of these or why you would use one or are they competing? Are they building on top of each other? This would be a really cool educational piece to dive into a little more. Absolutely. I'd love to kind of discuss the differences in my, from my perspective. Um, the way that I see Gitcoin Passport is one of those things where it's an, uh, like a, as an identity aggregator, its purpose is to go, hey, this is likely a real person. This person's score is higher as a result of them using technologies and doing things that humans would do versus the, you know, the barren, empty ENS, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the you know, uh, Ethereum wallet that has nothing, no activity in it, or the only activity is that it received a token or something like that. Um, so it's like establishing trust through behavior. Whereas Polygon Technologies, Polygon ID thing is a little more like, uh, let's um, provide one piece of information uh, to this platform and sign it. And then, you know, the zero knowledge proof thing goes, okay, uh, I've got information on you. Um, and then the implementation would be something like uh, the platform goes, okay, uh, prove that you uh, have a social security number ending in nine or something like that. I don't, I don't really know what the, the real world uh, use of any particular website would be other than to go, Hey, um, are you a certain age? Are you, um, I don't know, stuff like that. Like prove that you're you and whatever the, the form that it says is the way that that would work. So it's a little different. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like with Polygon ID with this example, is, is this similar to the idea of soulbound tokens, would you say, or is that, how does that resonate with you? I mean, I, I don't really know. I, I think the implementation is more important than whether or not the token is transferable. But I, I you know, I'm not right, like really the person to speak for like what people will do with the technology so much as like what it can do. Um, 
that's more yeah. of a, like big brain Vitalik kind of thing. Like what is next for it? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's, let me break that apart a little bit in, in what I was trying to ask for. Um, yeah, because that's a really good point. I think with um, with soulbound tokens, I guess you're right. The, one of the main things is that it's non-transferable. Um, so it's like my identity. It's perhaps you know something only only I own, right? And that you can't transfer. So if you had you know one of one data, like your medical records or your DNA, <laughs> I got my one of one DNA here. If anybody wants to own it, that's weird. Uh, yeah, you could like secure that, I guess, in some ways. Um, as far as I know, it's been fairly theoretical or prototypes uh, of Soulbound tokens. Like, I haven't. There's, I, as far as I know, there's nothing like a product out there. Maybe Otter Space is doing something, but I'm not as deep into that at the moment to really, really confirm that. Um, but the thing about Polygon ID, which is interesting that you're sharing is which i think that it shares is is this idea of hey there's some data that i can share with one website or person or client and then obstruct it in a way or using zero knowledge proof is is the way that i you know i could prove that my social security number is one two three four five six seven is it seven seven digits or whatever um without having to um actually show the number right so to just be able to like prove i have that number Yes, I can confirm that number without sharing that data. That that's like a humongous leap in, in in cryptographic and privacy innovation. I think I think that's kind of what one of the things you you seem to be excited about, right? Is what it was what you were describing about is this zk knowledge proof? Is that I think of it kind of like a password. That. Like uh, for example, if I was a website and I wanted to store your password, what I wouldn't actually be storing if I was, you know, actually interested in protecting your information is I wouldn't be storing that password in plain text. Um, password would be hashed, and then I would store the hash of that password. And then, if I enter the password, if, if you know the user enters the password later, then that hash matches, and you go, "Okay, I don't know yeah. what the password is." <laughs> but yeah, so it's just proof that you knew the thing, or that you have the thing, or whatever. As you as you explain that, I completely understand technically what you're saying, <laughs> and at the same time, um, I feel like whoever markets that in a branded way where it's like a story that people can like understand because there's, there's so many useful applications for that in life. But I, I always find myself similarly like not having the best way to explain. I think, I think the best, ah, it's so hard to explain. I mean, the, the example I hear a lot is, you know, if you were going, going to the doctor, you could share certain information with one person, like the doctor, your certain records and confirm, you know, you have some disease or not without having to actually share all your records. But I don't actually think even my example there hits the nuance of what you're getting at mathematically to be able to prove you have something without like the hash and to be able to hash it without actually revealing it. Like that is, um, I mean, and this has been around for a few years. This isn't like, you know, just invented today, obviously. But I think the real world cases of this and being able to like explain that it could just be such a huge unlock for utility for Web3 if we kind of figure out the right way to share that story. Or at least that's how I see it. I'm curious what you think. I mean, it's exciting. And the way actually, I, when I blogged about this in 2020 is just like an idea, like what we do with this. I imagine privacy from, for example, police pull you over and they don't need like, you know, your driver's license. They don't need all the information on it. They say they do, you know, but what, what do they really need from that information? Maybe they just need to know where you live. Maybe they just need to know that you don't have a criminal record, you know, outstanding warrant, whatever it is in the U.S. Um, and so. 
in this way, you wouldn't be giving away more information than you need to. You'd just be giving away what they ask for. And that seems exciting. Um, privacy is important for so many reasons, not because you have something to hide, but because you shouldn't have to trade away your identity just to get a service on another website, on another platform, on some other thing that says I need more than I actually need. And, you know, like the iPhone tries to kind of segment those permissions. For example, when you, you know, you load up an app, it's like, hey, I want to access your contacts. Well, why? Oh, well, you know, I need to make sure that, you know, you're not matched up with any other users on this platform or this or that or the other thing. Like there are reasons, but how much do they really need? You know, like, so there are ways that could be done. This could be done with privacy in mind such that let's give away information, but not information they can then reuse, resell, do whatever. And I feel like, we could probably talk about use cases for the entire rest of this time, which is also really a fun discussion. Um, and awesome. No, this I'm, is a really great, this is a really great kickoff. Um, I think, you know, it really ties into this idea of us coming together to really push forward on in, in, in utility. I think, I think there's a lot here that gets me excited as well. I am, uh, I'm just going to, you know, open up to, um, I want to just uh, tap on either Evan or Julia if they want to add something. And also, Mika, I see your, your hand as well. And I'm going to come to you in just a second. Um, I'm just going to see if Evan or Julia wants to add anything to this discussion. And then, uh, Mika, you're next. And anyone else, else that wants to join would love to have you up on stage. Um, Evan, Julia, anything else you guys want to add to this? Yeah, I'll add to it. So, hey, everyone. Um, happy to be here. But, yeah, no, I love what you guys are talking about. I honestly am a believer that zero knowledge proofs and or some other, you know, theoretical technology that does a similar thing is needed for crypto to go mainstream. I, you know, in the thread at the top, I pinned, you know, where I was talking about was zero knowledge proof. I think that like for certain things, like when it comes to stocks and investments, like you can't be investing with mass amounts of money with you know, public order books, these types, of, there's a lot of different use cases where crypto, like the blockchain itself has a lot of value, but it cannot be public. So, and so zero knowledge proof is the great combination of this, because like Titus said, you can prove that something is the truth without having to know the information. So it kind of shortcuts that lack of uh, security and that lack of anonymity while still getting to the root cause of, okay, I can prove that this person is this person, that this person's social security matches up. These types of things are integral because right now we can't even be doing that. Like we can't really be vote, you know, you can't bring voting online right now. I think, you know, blockchains plus zero knowledge proof is one of those answers. These types of things were never possible before zero knowledge proofs. And these are the types of use cases I love seeing with crypto. I love seeing things that are new, you know, not just like the mirror the, that like Balaji talks about, the mirror state where it does exactly the same thing, but on the blockchain, that's great and all, but I love seeing these new use cases that are being built. Same with like what you guys are doing with console. You have your, you know, your use cases that are chat because chat's, you know, integral to, you know, web three and just web two as well. But then you're building these new use cases on top of it. And that's, I'm super excited to see. And I think zero knowledge proof is going to be built into so many different use cases. And I think it's going to be needed for, you know, a, you know, the billion plus users to come online. That's incredible. Thanks, Evan. Really appreciate that. Um, well, yeah, I, I love this. <laughs> Very well deserved. Um, amazing. Um, I'm going to go um, ask Mika. Mika, welcome up on stage. And 
feel free to jump into the conversation or if you have a completely different question. Looks like we have a hand up from Mika. Mika, do you want to go ahead? Yeah, sure thing. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Mika Black. I am the founder of a nonprofit called A New Way, and we actually onboard communities into DeFi and blockchain technology. Um, I was going to just piggyback off of what Titus was talking about and Evan. Uh, one of the highlights for me at ETH Denver was not only the Polygon ID, because I'm fascinated about DITS anyway, digital identity, period. Um, I think that is necessary, and that's one of the reasons why um, a lot of hackers have been so successful in the first years of crypto is because the, everything's visible. You might not know the person who owned the wallet, but you can see how much money he has in the wallet. So it makes you a, a huge target, just puts a bullseye on there. So companies like Secret Network who are creating private smart contracts, private transactions, um, like you said, Titus, not to be, you know, a bad actor because there's going to be bad actors everywhere there's bad actors in web 2 world right now but there are certain things that people should have as a precaution to protect them and their assets and one of those things i think um is not being able to see how much asset someone's holding in their wallet not being able to see how much they paid for whatever they bought you know what i mean um and to have that privacy is important Another thing that really excited me was Chainlink. Chainlink, um, if you guys are familiar with oracles, um, they are uh, oracle-based blockchain technology, and they have one of the largest databases of APIs. And, and they have basically opened the gates. They've opened the floodgates, so to speak, to allow any web developer to develop using having access to their APIs without having to build on their blockchain. So if you think of like off-chain data and how it gets on-chain and being verifiable and then how it connects to digital identification, this is like a game changer um, because some people don't like Chainlink as usability. It is very hard to explain to a classroom full of people who don't know anything about blockchain how to use Chainlink. But if you're a web developer and you're wanting to have access to certain data that's off-chain to bring it on-chain and you can connect their um, Chainlink's API to your to your DApp or whatever that kind of makes it that removes the difficulty of Chainlink allows Chainlink to still be in the you know the blockchain space but without having the developer only be focused on building on their chain which I thought was great. Um, the Polygon ID thing I was actually in that room Titus I don't know if you were there but if you were it was um, it was a really nice space to be in to to be able to have like this um real intimate conversation with some people who are developing the next stage and i just love polygon because they're constantly trying to make their product available to everybody they're one of the chains that actually onboard people into the space with because it's just easy you don't have to explain gas fees too much um and you know they're just user friendly so to speak but a company that I would tell everybody in this room to take a look at is TBD. They call it Web5, and they break down what digital identification means. Um, just, just like to the way that Titus explained it. I mean, that's the best way you can. You can only give out examples. <laughs> it's not a real way to explain it to a person who's not um, a developer or can figure out all these tricky math equations. But if you just give a great example, then most time people can get it. But it is 
exactly what he says. Like, it's just giving the information that's needed to get whatever it is that you're trying to do. Like if, if I'm trying to buy a house, I shouldn't have to show you like all this other stuff. You should just be able to see my, my payment history on whatever credit availability that I have. You should be able to see how much money that I have in the bank. Um, and that's it. Like you shouldn't know what gender I am. You shouldn't know my race. You shouldn't know where I went to high school. Like none of that information matters when it comes to purchasing homes or purchasing cars. And that is one of the biggest downfalls that I would say um, of our current financial system is there's too many biased opinions being able to make decisions about using information that doesn't really matter. Um, so Web3 gets me excited. Eve Denver got me really excited about the wave and where we're going. And you guys sent me a DM to join. I thought I was so personable. So I was like, hey, I'm going to go find out more about console. So shout out to you guys. Um, but yeah, definitely go check out these companies. You guys, thanks so much. Amazing. Thank you, Mika. I love that. Um, so many great takeaways um, from East Denver. So happy that you were there. And thanks for kind of synthesizing those. And it sounds like you and Titus were maybe just like <laughs> a, row, a row apart and didn't even know it. So hopefully you guys. Can I wish it. I was there. Oh, you didn't go. Okay. Okay. You were just. Okay. Got it. Got it. Amazing. Oh, quick. One more thing. Um, Ethereum um, just announced to the ERC4337 entry point which is another thing that was announced at East Denver. It was a lot of great jewels announced, but imagine being able to retrieve your keys <laughs> and that that's actually about to become possible, but it's called entry point. Yeah, it's ERC. What was the ERC? 4337. I think it's four, yeah, 4337. Nice. Thanks for sharing that. That sounds exciting. Amazing. That's really awesome um super cool yeah yeah one of the one of the things that got me a little bit excited hearing you uh share mika about um about identity and the story about mortgages i mean that hit a nerve with me as someone if you have as someone who has gone through the mortgage process because oh my god if you ever bought a house you have to give every piece of private information you've ever your pay stubs, your social security, your mom's name, your dad's name, like every single thing. And then you just kind of upload it to like a Dropbox folder for like, I don't know, some intern to maybe kind of go through. I'm not sure who goes through that. Like it's very, it's very questionable. Um, and then the outcome of that, this is so funny. Like, I, it's funny. Like, I feel like we're finding our people because this is like the nerdiest thing to admit. But like over the weekend, like I was trying to, I was just trying to imagine that process specifically and like see if I could scare some of my friends like into like caring about privacy. I was just like, wonder if like I could scare, like I wonder like what it takes and it's not hard. I just Google my friend's name, just the town they live in or the state they live in. And all of a sudden I sent a screenshot. I'm like, is this all your data? Or I'm like, is this all your wife's data? <laughs> like you can find a lot. <laughs> so I'll just leave it at that. I'm not naming any names, but you know, I just try to do some like, user research what what does it take and i did have a few people who were like pretty shocked i'm like is it is this everything about your dad and like yeah except except this one like phone number here unless he has a secret life i'm like unless <laughs> but i don't know <laughs> a lot on the internet about him uh yeah i'm curious if you guys have had any similar um i mean the mortgage thing definitely definitely breaks uh any stories anecdotally or, or anything you think that would be like 
the number one pain point that brings this to people that uh, to make people care about privacy more if that's even a thing location data is a big one um that's one of those things that we just sort of give away without kind of really comprehending what it actually means to give away the most intimate behavior that we do short of like, you know, like a video feed or something like that. You know, like I'm not saying that it can't be more intimate, but it's, it's pretty intimate to know exactly where somebody is at any given time. You know, we use the, the Foursquare app of the, of the world and we go, Hey, uh, take my data, shut up and take my data for free, by the way. And in return, we get some recommendations on restaurants and like, you know, some sort of social feed of, hey, you know, somebody else, you know, has been here or this person might give you a good recommendation. You know, while that, that's all inherently useful stuff, um, it just makes me sad that we're going, hey, um, it's so it's such a, a, a trivial thing to give away that if, you know, you're a let's say you work for the government and, you know, maybe you're a Department of Defense or whatever, and you decide that you <laughs> want to um you know, step out on your marriage for a little while. Um, and then that data gets sold from Foursquare to some third party that happens to be owned by, you know, a foreign actor, a state actor. Um, you know, you like, you basically taught somebody how to leverage you if you went to a hotel room at the same place at the same time as some other, you know, worker of the night, you know, whatever it is, like, you know, like, so we've traded this stuff away and we do it willingly and we do it all the time. And yes, privacy matters. And yes, that's an extreme example, but it's not the only example. There are so many. And yeah, um, it's also used to discriminate against us. It's also used to, you know, treat us unequally without, you know, context. And these things like leveling the playing. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> I did that by accident. <laughs> go, go, go. Oh, no, don't you. No, I think I did a back accident. Leveling the plane. Oh, that was you. Yeah, okay. Uh, I, I, you know, if you want me to take a break, I can. I, I can hit. <laughs> <laughs> so go for it. Go for it. But yeah, that's that's basically it. You know, I'm just making a point here. Uh, we it. give this data away. We don't have to. Um, there are lots of. I've seen lots of entities. You know, like the the, the projects that are going. Hey, let's let's mon let's allow you to monetize your own data, and that's something. Like that's a start. But. Let's do better than that, and let's actually allow us to control our data, and let's let's use decentralized authorities to do it. You know, like because if we're just giving all our data some, to some other company that says trust me, you know, what if that company becomes as big as Google? What if that company gets purchased? Trust me doesn't work. Trust but verify does. Yeah. And I know that Blake cares about this stuff too. Like you know, I actually one other thing I wanted to mention. Um, Mika mentioned uh, decentralized identities in general. And I was like, yeah, that's very important. And they're not all created equal either. For example, there's the, uh, there's the ENSs of the world, and we know, foundations, things like that. And then there's the unstoppable domains of the world. And when I talk about unstoppable domains, anyone who knows me knows that I probably have a very different face on when I talk about them. It's a, it's a company selling namespace. It's like the worst thing about Web2 registrars, except that it's privatized, and they have total control over the registry. Like, why would you choose this? <laughs> but people do it all the time. And I get it. Like, I understand that sometimes you want to protect your, your marks, you know, you protect your registration, copyright type stuff, and the identity of your business. And so you register that thing so somebody else can't. That makes a lot of sense. But it doesn't make a lot of sense to go, hey, um, trust me to keep an entire authority of registration accessible to the world when it could be decentralized. And so, for example, they shut down the entire dot coin arm of their registrations. They like they no longer work. They no longer resolve. You can set up your own private resolver, but why would you? Why would you use them if you could? Like, what's the point? So, like, 
decentralization matters at the level and progressive decentralization as part of the roadmap matters a lot as, you know, I, I would I would say an ethos for Web3. You know, we need to choose the technologies that are actually trying to make an effort to give back and to not be controlled by an entity that we have to trust. Yeah, I love that. Unstoppable domains. The name is kind of unfortunate because stoppable domains. Very stoppable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, you could be stopped. <laughs> um yeah, that's 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 super true. Um yeah, you meant you mentioned the geolocation data. You know, part of me and just like the creative hacker part of me, like this isn't necessarily like a business model by any means, but thinks like, man, there should be a hackathon where we just build apps in a weekend to scare the hell out of people and just <laughs> to show them what we can find on them. You know, like the New York Times did this really great thing on Uber. I think it was on Uber rides or cell phone data where they were able to show based on your cell phone, the, the, the towers you hit, they could trace your whole day and see where you go, you know, and basically figure out this is your home, this is your work. Um, yeah, I don't know what how much of that data is open or, or accessible, but I do think seeing is believing and personalization has a much bigger effect than hearing stories, you know, reading Edward Snowden's memoir and hearing how, you know, he was able to see thousands of people's, you know, turn on their camera on their laptop uh, or the New York Times could do some random people. I feel like there's this moment you have a hackathon and you like, book, I don't know, because I guess I guess the line between, I don't know, legally, if that's even possible to kind of like target, but, you know, put in your own data and then like see what's out there because there's so much out there. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I've hacked on it a little bit, but I think I think that is like the teaching moment. You know what, uh, you know, going back to what Miko was talking about, you know, um, talking about with, um, you, you know, with uh, the mortgage and sending over all your data, what Titus was talking about, about geolocation. And then I think, you know, we always circle back to how much we care about decentralization. Um, but yeah, how, the, how, what is that teaching moment? What is that story? How do we bring the rest of the world into that? I don't know. I just I just keep like asking that question and drilling into it. And, and I don't know that we're going to find an answer, but I love I love to just imagine that like we're all united in this and like hopefully crack, maybe we'll crack it if we think about it enough or we talk about it or keep building, you know? I think we've returned to incentivization again, which is the idea that somebody has got to get something for doing something different. And, um, you know, we can tell people, Oh, Hey, you know, you can do it this way or you can do it this way and protect your privacy. And they'll go, well, what privacy, you know, what privacy did I ever have? You know, the government watches me, there are satellites, Google maps knows where my house is and this and that and the other thing. And we think, we think we've given it all away. Um, but like, for example, you can go on your iPhone and go into the, uh, the recent, the, the, I think it's called popular locations or the thing that you do where your iPhone tracks everything you do. And that's a great example of like on your phone right now, you can examine exactly all the places you've been if you have an iPhone. Now, think about if that information was just sent in the cloud. That's what Google does. <laughs> and that's why I have an iPhone. And just, well, it's one of many reasons. But um, yeah, I mean, the I guess the kicker here is that uh, some companies monetize your data, some don't. Sometimes monetizing your data is valuable. Sometimes it isn't. Uh, location data is particularly valuable in the relative sense. Um, behavioral data in general is one of those things that, you know, if you've watched Westworld, um, knowing what you do, allows you to be predicted, which is how ad modeling works and things like that. So, you know, these things matter, but incentivizing people to keep the data private means that that information can then be sold if it's selectively something you choose to do. 
having that control is important. Incredible. Yeah, thank you. Um, Evan, you have your hand up. Go for it. Yeah, a little bit ago, Titus brought up something that I think is so true. And it's the fact that like decentralization really does matter. And it, I think you got to look at it from like the points at where it really comes out. And that's where like people are going to really want to adopt it. You know, I think like what you were showing with like the privacy, you know, those killer use cases is what's going to get people to want to use these, you know, tech technologies. They're not going to want to use something just because it's decentralized. It needs to have a reason. And so I think in the case of decentralized identity, um, decentralization is really important for the self-custody aspect. Imagine having to have your identity that you receive funds with, that you store your sensitive information with, that you chat with people every day with. Imagine your domain being custodied by GoDaddy. Like that's a joke. It cannot happen. So like that's like a, a prime example of where like decentralization is a must. It's not even like a, like a question. You know, like no one's going to want to uh, own their identity that's like by unstoppable. You know what I mean? You're not going to pass it down to your children. You're not going to build, you know, history or build any sort of like wealth with that domain. You're just not going to want to do that. So that's kind of what I wanted to bring up. I think these like points where decentralization really matters, it's not just like a buzzword, is going to really show through in the next couple of years. Yeah, incredible. Thank you. Um, awesome points, Evan. Let's uh, let's bring Tommy on stage, um, and then we'll have Mika back on in a second. So, Tommy, um, welcome to the stage. Happy to have you here. Cheers, everyone. How's it going? No, thanks. Thanks for bringing me up on stage. I think it's really interesting conversation because it's really relevant to to what I'm building at Just Loot, which is a not safe for work platform. And I think not safe for work is a perfect example of where zero knowledge proofs and and decentralization is very very important. Where you know, with a lot of creators we've been talking to, they just have a lot of safety concerns that they've experienced in the past. So, like, I haven't had these. I don't have like an anecdotal uh, experience myself. But just talking to a lot of creators, it's insane how much um, centralization causes safety concerns in people's real lives. Where you know, just by the nature of the industry, you just have some some people who might just step step over the line, right? And a lot of the technology that we have now with blockchain and zk knowledge proofs uh, we can use that to to really like help creators and keep them safer so that's i'm really excited about that for the technology because there's a real reason for that you know we need to keep a lot of these creators safe and uh, able to just carry on you know their every day you know that a lot of these people have children a lot of these people just you know need to be safe so that's uh i think that's why this technology can be applied in such a valid way and not safe for work and even when we think about censorship or uh, ownership of a community, for example, where not safe for work creators are often very much shunned on Web2 social media and unable to really own their community and consistently grow like a diehard community, which is really unfortunate because, you know, that's what creators need. And I think what we see more in Web3, which is, uh, you know, creators really only need their hundred or a thousand really diehard fans to keep creating in the way they, they want and like monetizing the way they want. And if there's a way for us to allow creators to, in not say for workspace, consistently grow a community and curate or nurture a community, I think, uh, yeah, that's a really valid application of the technology we're talking about right now. When, um, when you think of the ecosystem of apps or like where, where like where are, and this might be too broad of a question, but, you know, are there any tools that are very friendly to that or that's where 
the Nasible for Work community is going. Like, I don't know, I guess I think of like OnlyFans or something, but I don't know if that's a great example. Or are there like actually Web3 decentralized solutions being used, Signal? I, I don't know what, I, I don't have a real sense, but maybe you could educate us like where this community is right now or what might be some of the best case scenarios available. I feel like uh, not safe for work creators are often in a very tight spot where a lot of creators feel like um, they're fighting for a very small audience of people, which is kind of ironic because the not safe for work industry is actually huge. You know, a lot of people are, um, you know, watch porn, quite frankly. And um, yeah, so like a lot of creators feel like they just want to be on the platform that has the most amount of users and that at the moment is OnlyFans, for example. Um, but on OnlyFans, they're subjected to 30% fees, for example, and not such a good UX, UI. But because the users are there, right? The fans know about OnlyFans. It's garnered this sort of uh, name recognition. Creators feel very much tied to this very Web2 uh, social media platform that that actually doesn't embrace not, so, not safe for work creators. I don't know if uh, anybody, everybody saw that like a couple months ago, a year ago, where not like uh, OnlyFans wanted to play down how much uh, not safe for work creators were on the platform. And we all know that not safe for work creators, uh, uh, well, OnlyFans is mostly known for that. Um, but what the trouble is with Web3 alternatives is they're not very much adoption optimized. And a lot of the Web2, um, a lot of not safe for work creators audience base is very much Web2 native. And a lot of them aren't very interested in uh, onboarding into Web3. So I think it's really our responsibility as as builders in the space to sort of hit that medium for these creators and hit it in a way that you know keeps them safe, allows them to create these uh, communities, be empowered by the technology, but also for the fans or the the other users to to onboard in a way that they're comfortable with. So that's something I'm really big on, like just providing. Uh, people with different ways to engage with the technology at their own comfort level, right? Because not everyone's trying to go through this uh, learning curve. I might jump in here for a second on this topic as well. I think everyone has a uh, has a right to feel safe, and sometimes privacy provides that. And sometimes the you know authority of um, a tool that's you know built for that it purpose built for privacy provides that best. Um, like for example. Everyone uses MetaMask, but why? Um, when there's platforms out there that are building tools like BlockWallet, for example, BlockWallet would allow you to do instant token privacy mixer style transactions and still have all the benefits of like you know the Ethereum style wallet experience that MetaMask would have. It's still friendly. It's actually it's got private EVM pools. There's all these things that I see in other products that BlockWallet just does, and these are the tools I don't see us rallying around. And I like I. For some reason, we always have this like sign in with MetaMask thing instead of sign in with Web3. You know, like I, I, on every platform, I think if we were actually trying to decentralize and, you know, provide awareness tools, we wouldn't choose a tool to be the integration point. Like we wouldn't say, hey, um, sign in with MetaMask or screw you. Like we'd say, sign in with your Web3 wallet, sign in with your Web3 identity, whatever the, whatever the term we rally around would be the term that I would imagine, you know, sign in with your blockchain thing. Um, but yeah, instead we're just using the same tools and they're not improving privacy or if, if anything, they're taking it away. Like MetaMask's, um, the, the consensus way is just provide, uh, more information from the wallet to them now. And, you know, we're seeing that and people are going, no, I don't like this, but we're still using it when there are alternatives out there. And, um, yeah, that, 
these are things that matter, um, <laughs> tying us to a single identity. I, I honestly, like as long as I'm on a soapbox, I might as well say, I don't really see that it's always useful to do a soul bound token because who are we if we're not multiple, you know, identities sometimes, like I'm not saying that we're all dissociative or anything, but I'm saying that sometimes we have a private thing for one thing and we have a private thing for another thing. Uh, attempting to tie this to a single identity makes some sense if it's the way you want to do it, but sometimes it doesn't make sense and trying to go, Hey, I've choose I've chosen a soul bound token for you is kind of making a lot of assumptions about what it is that people are and what they want. And sometimes it's taking away their freedoms. And so I don't think that's necessarily the identity I want to build around. I, I love that. Um, there's a few things in there I'd like to hit on. And then uh, again, I see Evan has his hands up. So I'd love to hand it over to Evan after this. Um, but just wanted to hit on a few things. Um, yeah, as far as the soulbound token thing goes, uh, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that the opposite of that is also just as important and and not as appreciated. And what I mean is I think we need certain logins or communications or identity identities that are disposable and that you can use one, like one time. And that is actually the way that Bitcoin originally was designed. You would never reuse a wallet address, right? You would, you would use it once. And in many ways that still is like the, you can use it twice, but, the the culture of it and like the way it was designed was so that you can just spin up a new one um i think and of course other chains do that now but i think extending that to you know even email or any any ways that we connect you know part of having your identity online should be that you choose who to give data to and i think choosing not to give any data and remain anonymous is a choice and in my head I, i bundle that all with I'm calling it soulbound token, but maybe I'm like bastardizing that concept, but just basically like my control, like we were talking last week about like my wallet or my sash or whatever I call it. Like, you know, I should have that control of who gets to see what, and whether it's my, all my identity, a ZK part of my identity, uh, you know, all, the, whole, the whole range of it really should be my control. Whereas today there's no control. And that, that really does seem like a, a a game changer. I think if if done like in an elegant way that could people could use. Yeah, I definitely see um, an automation process where um, if you want to do something, that the process automatically is handled for you for your privacy or for a new contract as being you know the the ultimate adopter of like security for wallets. And then you know with um, EIP four uh, or ERC forty three thirty seven, you know account extraction. Um, we're getting closer to this this thing sort of being already built for us, and then the UI is really the the barrier. There is how tightly can we do what Evan was talking about last week or this week, um, where we go, you know, Rainbow Wallet straight to um, ENS, and um, you know, four steps, four clicks, Apple Pay, all the integrations, but also all of the decentralization that we expect and deserve, honestly. Um, and also, Mika, did you have your hand up? Like, I want to make sure that we didn't. I ignore you i did uh, but then the conversation kind of like turned i was just going to mention because um we do onboard people into the DeFi space and just how that works and the mass adoption and the hesitation um that we're finding on our level and these are i'm, I'm in marginalized communities we teach these classes at the library every monday uh, for free just giving this information away kind of like a 
a help desk service if they're jumping in and they don't really have no anyone to ask questions they they know they can come to the library here in uh, Atlanta Georgia um, but one of the biggest issues that we find is a lot of times the mentality is around being or getting rich quick and their whole idea of wanting to get in is because they saw somebody sell this NFT for this price or they bought into this coin and they got you know so what we like to introduce people more often like when they're just coming in and they haven't been tainted is what i say um we we actually do show them real world use case like but a lot of people don't realize that they can use their crypto right now um they don't know that um i think we lost mika for a second yeah i'm sorry my mic went out okay um the the ownership value of understanding what an nft is and you know how that can translate in their creation and how they're able to like bypass a whole lot of third party and build community in that way so it is a lot about what evan said about just showing the real use utility um and then simplifying it in a way that people understand because Going to East Denver, if you're a beginner, you're not going to understand anything that they're talking about. Um, it's very high level language. Um, tech is very top down. And the people that tech are concerned about onboarding are Web2 developers into a Web3 space. Um, but really, our focus should be is how can we get the general public into the space? And we really just need to dumb down the language. Uh, we need to be able to break the barriers of of the language barrier um, and be able to explain it in a way that that actually makes sense and is more relatable. So that's kind of one of the things that I noticed too, like at East Denver, like I would never invite any of my students to East Denver because (laughs) they would not understand what was being said or how how they would even be able to utilize any of that information. So it's, it's people like me who come, who know what's going on, can understand it, and then bring it back to regular people and break it down in, like, the most basic English um, and in ways that they can understand and how they can utilize that information in real world. Um, kind of like what I said earlier about the mortgage, like, just being able to say, hey, you can buy a house with crypto. A lot of people don't even know that Fannie Mae will give you a loan on your Bitcoin to be able to get a loan to purchase a house. So it's just, like, knowing the ways in which you can use this technology to actually live and do what you've already been doing, but in a just more simpler way. I hope that makes sense. Wow. Also, I did not know that Fannie Mae would give you a a loan on your Bitcoin. Is that true? That's pretty awesome if that's true. I'll have to look that up. Uh, Let's verify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) No, I believe you. (laughs) Thank you, Mika. Honestly, like, it's the quality of people who are just coming up on stage just keeps going up and up and up. I, I just love seeing people talk about, um, you know, why, why should I care about decentralized identity? Why should I care about privacy security? These things are important, but the use cases are the, are the anecdote are the adopting factor for the future of people being onboarded and onboarding is just such a mess right now because we haven't even decided what terminology to use and we're still using wallets when we're trying to tell people oh there's also all these other things you can do with your nfts and honestly like nfts are my favorite thing because even if the name is not so great like nft is not my favorite thing to choose for a you know a collectible style token um it's still better 
than going, hey, it's a cryptocurrency. You know, like cryptocurrency is basically like, oh, this is just about DeFi. It's not about anything else. Yeah. So, so we need to start, you know, nomenclature needs to matter and it needs to be focused around use cases that are not just two things. Says me. Well said. Thank you, Titus. Well said. Well said. Um, I did a little fact checking on the Fannie Mae thing. It looks like it was considered, but it's only if you convert it to USD, which I'm not sure makes it cryptocurrency anymore. But that's anyone else can add it. USDC? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just says USD. I think, I think that still counts. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I think it still counts. Yeah, um, yeah. No, that's but cool. You, that's also cool. Have, you also have other companies like Proppy. I mean, technically, I'm actually for my for-profit side, we're working on something um, that's dealing with real estate because what I'm realizing is a lot of these real estate platforms, they don't have, they don't know the real estate law. And by trade, that's what I am in Georgia. I'm a real estate um, broker. So kind of understanding the law of, around it and then being able to utilize like contracts that Avalanche just got uh, with the with the feds to be able to like on chain a lot of federal documentation that's that's really huge but how do you how can you really purchase a house on the blockchain right now you really can you can list it as a pretty picture but the paperwork on the back end is still traditional um real estate so you're still gonna have to go through the title broker you're still gonna have to go through the banks and you're just uploading the documents to the blockchain so being able to create contracts or being able to create relationships with the local um, state legislation, you, you're you going to be able to have access to this information so that it could be possible. But in order to do that, you have to have somebody who understands what real estate law is, and a lot of them don't. So it's kind of like Web 2, Web 3, but not really, or what Evan spoke of earlier, the mirror effect, it, it's not really... Um, innovative just yet so but i'm working on something so stay tuned <laughs> alpha love it love 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 it this is great um man this is great uh we're coming up to the hour i generally like to try to keep things tidy so just be respectful of everybody's time um i think uh just have a few wind down thoughts to to close us out but maybe before i do if anyone has a last burning question or thought um i saw some hands go up and down and uh, if anyone on stage maybe just wants to add something and then apologies to anyone who didn't get on this week we can get you on next week um evan titus mika you guys have been um yeah great great co-hosts and collaborators this week uh anything that you guys would want to add before we wrap up for today evan maybe you had one more thing yeah i think you no know, we were touching on some great things at the end of the space and kind of like how Web3 doesn't really have great branding yet. There's no, like the users of the regular internet don't really understand what crypto and all the different use cases are. All these words get used interchangeably. They're confusing. Um, so I would just say whether you're a builder, you're an investor, you're an educator, you know, your job is to sort the forest from the trees. You're supposed to be able to, like, you know, like weed out the differences. You know, there's always going to be a lot of drama. There's going to be a lot of confusion, a lot of noise in Web3. It's your job to sort it out and kind of see the basics, see the rudimentary like basics that are so fundamental to this space and see that, you know, no matter how many good actors, how many bad actors, how many rugs, how many, you know, projects at Moon, there's this space is to last. And, you know, seeing that the basic fundam fundamentals of blockchains, of wallets, of NFTs, 
what they are actually, you know, possible of and not just, you know, these basic JPEGs and like what, you know, they are in the short term, you know, look out in the far term. And like I said, just simplify it and break it down to like what the true use cases are, because there's a lot to be had in Web3 if you kind of try to go into every detail. You know, first principles is really important in Web3. So stick to that and shout out to everyone for being here. These spaces are, are great. You know, I love these. So thanks for having me. Oh, man. Well said, Evan. Thank you. Um, Evan has a great podcast and has been writing some really great threads on ENS and privacy and all these things we're talking about. So I'd recommend uh, click on his face and give him a follow, uh, read some of the stuff he's been writing. Um, yeah, he's really doing some really great work um, sharing and helping us understand. Um, click gently. Of Web3. Not yeah, too click gently. Click gently. <laughs> don't, don't smash his face. No face smash. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, um, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, no, go for say, it. Go for it, Mika. Um, Evan, you're right. Everything you're, you just said is right on point. Um, a lot of times people go in and purchase a class and they're like, hey, Mika, I bought this, but I didn't learn anything. So, um, yeah, it is important to explain certain, break breaking things down, very simplistic. I would say if you guys want to learn more about, like, digital IDs, I did put into the chat a great company who has a wonderful video on YouTube that kind of breaks it down. It's a little high level, but it breaks it down in a way that you can kind of understand it um, and be able to relay it to whatever group. I am appreciative of the opportunity to share what we do here in Atlanta at a new way. Um, I would more than, you know, more, I would be actually more happy if you followed my, a new way page opposed to my personal page. Um, But yeah, keep, if you're wanting to know more information about stuff, like don't, it's usually the ones who with the least amount of following that has the best information. And that's something that I actually um, have found to be very useful on my journey. I do appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to speak um, just to have a woman up here. I love that. Shout out to you guys for showing us some love. Um, And thank you again. Shout out to Julia for the really good pins too. Like I noticed I brought something up and like 10 seconds later, yeah. it, was on, it was pinned, like love it on point working yeah. hard. Thank you so much. I know Julia wanted to add in today. I, she may have had a mic issue or something. Uh, so, but uh, hopefully she'll be able to join in a little bit more next week. Um, but yeah, thanks for all the pins. Thanks for all the, all the encouragement and everything else. Um, she's a powerhouse. So thank you. All right. Uh, this has been a great space. Just, you know, quick shout out again to Titus, Evan, uh, Mika, Atlas, uh, Julia, of course, for helping in the audience. Just shout out to everybody for coming. I, I see you. Um, such a great crew. Uh, Kuro, NFT Ignition, S, Blake, Melitza, Moonverse, Electra, Terra, Hero Gamer, Brad. Wow. <laughs> so many great people here, Nikki Specs, Huxley. Um, thank you all. A lot, a lot of you know, a lot of you are we're DMing, we're chatting, you're helping, uh, you know, bring ideas to us. If if anyone here is not in Console HQ, just um, gently touch my face and DM me. I will hook it up. Anyone that stayed this long and you know participated really want to uh, help bring you into Console. And of course, you know, once you get in there, we could also talk about potentially helping you bring your community. Um, you know, right now there's only a few communities on console. We are like really just slowly helping because because we're Julia and I are putting our time into really just helping bring communities over and make sure that everything 
is amazing and getting you if there's some small features you need um you know helping to advance that on our roadmap and all of that kind of stuff just to just to really make the onboarding experience really nice for you so um all of that and more are coming um yeah click my face i'll give you access desktop app iphone app all desktops available iphones coming soon um that's the whole thing so happy to be here we'll be back next monday um, tell your friends if you want to bring anybody or if there's anyone we should have on stage next week. We'd love to know. And that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate you all. What a great conversation. Um, it's a great way to start the week. I feel very alive and uh, excited to keep building and working in this space. So thank you all. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was the Console AMA, recorded on Monday, March 6th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. And if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support now. They say rapping is the gateway, bringing home great pay, checking that replay, sing along and we say nobody gives a fuck around my way. I make about three bucks for every thousand plays, so add it up and do the math on that. Financially speaking, why the fuck would anybody want to rap? But in this reality, the money comes from doing shows, but then where's the money go when you can't do the shows? I guess you could rap on Cameo. I've been asking all my friends if I can rap on the patio Six feet, motherfucker, step the fuck back Doing a little magic, pulling rabbits out the rucksack Not everybody's always in it for the money Looking like another crooked Sunday and I'm working Monday So you know I ain't stressing, left debating great methods Amazed to play Inception, the base stay blessed See, even with these huge sums of overall royalties Huge sums of money that go to the record label per playback Can seem insultingly small Small, many rights holders are making around three quarters of a cent For the actual and artists, say they're making and they're pennies, making pennies, pennies per play. Until they can figure out how to turn a profit, their future will always be in question. But for now, investors see enough potential to continue to fund pennies, 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 pennies per play. Another day, another lesson. Living in the eighth dimension might be worth a little mention. Living in the Great Depression, got a real regal feel. Reeling in another sucker fish, out to make a deal just to make a motherfucker wish. Ah shit, now you only got two left. You know what I wish? We didn't have any loose ends. You know what I miss? Listening to excuses Now we're on the fence Like we forgot how to choose That's what happens When people don't know what's true In the dark eating bullshit up like a mushroom In the lunchroom Just trying to laugh it off Meanwhile foaming at the mouth Like a rabid dog Like a fake mating call at the zoo It's looking like the view is getting disappointed too I'm working on the new shit Trying to produce it It's what I'm willing to go through When I'm making my music Spaces.